You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Rhode Island podcasting channel. And I am coming at you sad and I don't know. I don't have another word, Sam. But I'm here with Sam Householder, and we're going to be as upbeat as we can about a brutal Bears loss on Thursday night football where it kind of feels like somehow all went wrong. And Sam, the weird part is it's not as if everything was going right before the game. And yet somehow it feel is it because do you feel like we lost to a bad team because I did not look across the or the formation, so to speak, at the commanders and feel like Carson Wentz earned the win that he got. What did you think? Uh, absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for having me on. And uh, second, yes, I, absolutely. It, I, I kept waiting for the tide to turn because I just kept watching the game and thinking, okay, here's where Carson is going to give us the game. Like, you just kept waiting for Carson Wentz to be Carson Wentz, and it just didn't happen. Like, you you get so used to um, seeing him make the, the bonehead mistake that, that cost him the game and the reason why everybody always ends up so frustrated with Carson Wentz. And, you know, I live here in Indiana, and um, I, I, I'm lucky enough to live in Northern Indiana. So I almost always have the bears games, but I almost always have the Colts games too, as my CBS game. So I watched a lot of Carson Wentz last year and I can tell you, I, he had Colts fans pulling his hair out and he, you know, he's a very frustrating quarterback. And so all night tonight, it just, from the first snap, it was like, it was like, okay, we're going to get one off him. Like whether it's an interception or a sack fumble, like it just seemed like it was going to be inevitable. It, it felt like we should get one. And I thought, you know, hey, if the defense gets the takeaway and then takes it in the end zone, then, you know, it, it almost felt like that was all we needed for it to be game over. Cause it just, it never felt like Washington was going to score 14 points and then they didn't. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it, 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 it a very frustrating game very frustrating game start to finish but um but yeah absolutely like i never once thought like oh washington is definitely the better team here um their defensive line for sure uh that's a very good defensive line even without chase young but boy um yeah just another frustrating loss <laughs> yep boy um yeah is a great way to put it because I feel like the worst part, okay, so somehow this always seems to happen in prime time, Sam, where the mm -hmm. defense will have its best showing of the year and the offense mm -hmm. will look so bad that I can't tell anybody I'm a Bears fan for the next few days or they'll bring yeah. the game up. Um, yeah. And we had another one of those today where it felt like, so against the Vikings game, 
or against the Vikings, Allen Williams started the game out with a whole bunch of static looks, static cover one, static cover three, static cover two, and the Vikings obviously picked up on that, Sam, because it's hard to go 17 for 17 in a, in a half and hit Justin Jefferson whenever you want to. There's got to be some scheme helping you out. But instead, holy moly, Allen Williams was willing to be aggressive. He broke a lot of his own tendencies, mugging up yeah. on the line. Was there any better example than that blitz at the start of the game where they mugged everybody up on the line of scrimmage and if you've been watching this defense you're thinking okay they are just never this aggressive they're not coming they're all dropping out they're gonna rush like maybe four or five and they didn't they rushed like eight or nine players Jaquan Brisker got home before that uh like before Wentz had even hit the back of his drop for crying out loud it was sweet as much as like you're saying that Carson Wentz didn't necessarily give the game away, I personally struggle to look at a football game where the opposing offense earned about nine points and had six gifted to them by Valus Jones and say right. to myself that that wasn't a game for the taking, which is why we have to talk about the offense, Sam, because mm-hmm. I don't know what's wrong. I want to know what's wrong. The All-22 is partially showing what's wrong. Kirk Herbstreet is partially showing what's wrong. But it does feel like there is a major conflict going on between how Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze want this offense to be run and how Justin Fields wants to run an offense. Because Justin Fields right now is playing like he has no understanding of what NFL Open is. And we've seen that for a little while, but it's not getting better and that really that really bothers me sam because you would you would expect that at some point because okay so to use an example there was a first and 10 where fields took a sack and when he dropped back he not only had Cole Komet on a Sunday open throw to his left, but he had Darnell Mooney breaking in on to his right on an also Sunday open throw that Kirk Herbstreet highlighted in case you were watching the broadcast. The play after that, Sam, he threw with anticipation to a curling Mooney at about the 16-yard mark, and he threw to Mooney's outside, Mooney curled back to his inside, and the throw just looked way off. Whenever they are throwing open or like with anticipation he and his receivers aren't on the same page whenever he isn't throwing with anticipation he's just not throwing the ball because nobody's open enough for him to throw like that and find somebody and then on random third and twos he's taking his guy darnell mooney on a slot fade which is very hard throw to hit sam no matter how open you are instead of looking at a pick route that may very well come right over the middle and leave you one of the easiest throws in football and so so the slot fade doesn't fall. And and then, Sam, somehow I have to talk about the fact that Fields let go of a ball so low, it didn't just hit the lineman's hand. It hit his face and ends up yeah. as an interception on the five-yard line. I mean, there is there is a lot of wrong to digest here. Yes. It's yeah. not all on the quarterback. I'll be honest. It never is Mitch Trubisky got benched in uh in Pittsburgh right now and it's not all Mitch's fault like as much as we could pretend that Mitch isn't good enough blah 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 blah. like Matt Canada's offense is not exactly a sparkling gem of awesomeness over there quarterbacks are rarely the entire problem but quarterbacks have also been replaced for less Sam and I'm not saying that Fields is going to get replaced that's not where I'm building I'm saying we can't accept this as a good game because yardage totals are not. It took the last play of the game to almost beat a terrible, terrible commander's team. And 
I thought that this offense looked like they had many more points in them today, and it felt like the quarterback was a primary reason that we didn't end up with points. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. I mean, you know, if you want to take the optimistic look, you can say that they were inside the five like two times in the first quarter. They should have had a fourteen to nothing lead. Um, but it, but yeah, the you know at first you see the ball pop up in the end like that, you think, oh, well, somebody tipped it. But then on the replay, it's like, no, a quarterback just threw it right into a dude's head, which is ridiculous. And then, um, yeah, the next time, like you talked about, you miss, I think that was before we were recording, you know, you missed a guy and then broke for the goal line, got tackled at the half-yard line or whatever, and then they get stood up on fourth down because, uh, you know, myriad reasons. The offensive line's bad, the, the – play call wasn't great they didn't have you know a lead blocker in there uh all the things but um yeah it, yeah the the offense is definitely a problem and not just fields himself i mean then he misses you know an open tight end and it feels like it should be Oof. you know everybody's yeah everybody's talking about missing the layups and it's like that felt like a layup and look i get it like we see quarterbacks miss the that you know that's a fade right like it, it you know you see quarterbacks miss it a lot but boy it just feels different when this offense just needs is needing for anything to to glom onto for as far as hope excuse me as far as you know a spark and it's like it was right there and it just like went right over his fingertips and then it it was just so deflating oh yeah I mean, Sam, I'll pick up where you left off. It's okay to say it. Bears fans, it is very easy for us to act like scoring a touchdown is a massive accomplishment. And it is. But normal teams are scoring closer to 20, 21 points per game. So when the Bears miss a layup touchdown, that's that's a normal score in the normal NFL bad 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 teams will find a way into the end zone and that was a really nice play call there were a lot of people on twitter saying that it was super innovative it's actually i mean it's not that uncommon as a matter of fact like when you're running a shanahan style offense the fake jet fake handoff throw to the end zone is like a common red zone call it's like why leak what they ran in the postseason but you can't miss that throw when you're also missing the other throws right when when lamar jackson misses multiple throws deep and then finds a way to crawl back and beat Cincinnati. That's, that's something that we'll give him a pass for because he's shown he can do it. And that was an off day, right? right. With right. fields, it feels like the bad days are starting to outnumber the good days where we are starting to hang maybe a little bit too much, Sam on that potential word P right. Yeah. Instead, yeah, absolutely. Instead of looking at results. I mean, look at what the Bears did on the ground today, right? Valus Jones, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, all of them ran for over four or four point five yards per carry, just not even mm-hmm. taking fields into account. It's not like the running game was playing poorly. It's not like the off- the offensive line was really rough, but we knew they'd be rough. And I felt mm-hmm. like Sam, can I just I haven't seen the all twenty two. Because honestly, Prime Vision just doesn't look good on my TV, and I didn't have it in me to watch the All-22 through this game. But what bothered me is that while Fields 
kept so there's a stat out there that Fields got pressured 18 times in this game. It was the highest rate of his career that he got pressured. But Sam, we're watching the same game. Fields isn't releasing the ball under two seconds almost ever, and it's definitely not if it's not a called screen. And so I find myself wondering how much of that pressure is because Fields is just holding on to the ball, waiting for like OSU open instead of just throwing the ball and letting his receiver not catch it if he's not up to the task. I mean, there's some of this stuff where it feels like the uh, fields is kind of caught between, but it's, it, it feels like a mess out there. And again, I can't sit here and pretend it's all on the quarterback, but if you saw what I saw, I feel like this was the bears support. This was the bears receivers best day this year. I thought they were open more often than they've just about ever been. I thought that the running backs were surprisingly good. I thought Luke Getze gave Fields this game and said, go win this one for us, kid. And we ended up just like we did or when we did this in 2019 with Mitch Trubisky with an offense that couldn't score more than 10 points for crying out loud. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's the Bears fan in me, but Sam, I'm getting sick of it. Like, there's got to be a quarterback out there that can score 15 points, and I don't have to feel like it's an accomplishment. Yes. Yeah, I would think. I mean, we see, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I guess it's a bad example because it's the first one that came to my mind. But Skylar Thompson, I mean, he put up, like, I mean, 19 points. It was still a blowout. But um, we we see Geno Smith is playing out of his mind. Like, there's quarterbacks all over the league that – are putting up points on a consistent basis and somehow Chicago is just like allergic to it. And it's almost comical. Like I found this tweet from Brad Spielberger, um, PFF at PFF Brad on Twitter, uh, bears in goal in goal to go tonight, 11 plays, seven yards, one interception, zero points. That's it's ridiculous. Like to run 11 plays inside the 10 yard line, and you gain seven yards and come away with zero points. That is very, very difficult to do. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's that tweet to me, just like encapsulated this game. It was like bears could move the ball. They got inside the, they got inside the red zone. They, you know, were putting pressure on Washington and then they would just give it up, you know, whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And then, you know, the other thing, if you want to transition, the other thing is, I I feel like we're all going to have to see the stupid Carson wins blocking, almost decleating just (laughs) Roquan Smith for the next seven days. It was already on my, it was already on my Instagram feed on the, on the official NFL uh, Instagram account and I'm like well here we go this is just going to be everywhere this week and I mean granted in some ways I mean Ryan Poles can just play it on a loop the next time Roquan wants to come in for a negotiation meeting but um, yeah I mean look you I, you know maybe we should all be glad that that they didn't pay him a hundred million dollars this offseason but um, that there's just a there was a lot of embarrassing moments for for the Bears, whether the quarterback was hitting a player in the helmet with the with the ball at the line of scrimmage, or whether it was, you know, their supposedly the supposed star linebacker getting decleated by a freaking mediocre quarterback, and and you know, and then it just goes from there because there were lots of other stuff too. I mean, let's not forget the. Uh, 
ineligible man downfield on a screen that's like it seemed like that should have you not practiced a screen before like (laughs) no brainer but you know leave it to the bears and then another muff punt that really is what costs horrible i mean it sam i will actually so uh, physical mistakes are hard Right. If anybody out there watches baseball, nobody catches 100 percent of the pop flies hit their way like the these things happen and punts are hard to catch. The ball spins and goes all over the place. The fact that Velas fell to his knees and still attempted to catch the ball, which bounced straight onto his shoulder and over his head was like curb your enthusiasm goofy. Like, yeah. it, it felt as if the way that he went about it gave him no chance to catch the punt. And then you sit there wondering, Sam, okay, what do you do here if you can't even catch these things? Like, he's a third-round pick. He's an old rookie. You definitely are hoping that if he's going to make any contribution, he should make it quickly. And he's contributing. Uh, the Bears are the Bears are now <laughs> three, two and three, partially because Valus <laughs> didn't give the offense yeah, key yeah, chances. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like I liked what I saw from him on offense tonight. He got a yeah. decent amount of snaps. I, I, I kind of like him as a receiver. Uh, I like the the um, play he scored on last uh, against mm-hmm. the Vikings, and then I liked a lot of what I saw tonight. You know, he's shifty. He's really good in space. Um, he he can make guys miss. He seems like he's got pretty good vision. He was pretty he's pretty good at following his blockers on on uh, on the screens and stuff. To me, to my eyes. And so, you know, there, there's things to like there, but then you just see the special teams and you're just like, man, what is going on? And, you know, maybe it's an experience thing. He's, you know, it's only his, really his his second full game. I think he played um, two weeks ago, but uh, very limited to just the special teams, which is the last time he, he muffed. But um, so maybe he, it's a case of the yips or maybe it's just the, the rookie learning curve because he did miss a, a decent chunk of the preseason and, and the first couple games with, with his quad thing or so, or his hamstring. I, I, the, the bears have had so many injuries. I can't keep them all straight. And they all I don't seem blame like you. So I, but whatever it was, whatever the muscle was in his leg that was hurt. But, um, so yeah, you know, it, it, it might be a learning curve thing. I hope it is. Uh, but he seems like a, a likable kid. And, you know, like I said, I, I like what I see on offense. And so maybe it's just a case of, all right, fine. Just focus him as a, as a receiver and get him in, you know, for these screens and these jet sweeps and these, um, right. You know, passes or whatever they pop passes, whatever they call those and, and be done with the, with the returner thing. Cause, um, yeah, and you know, I see some people in the comments saying like, "Well, you know, the turf got him and stuff." And like, yes, that it did kind of look like, depending on it was either the ball shifted late in flight and or because both can be true. Both I, can be I'm true. Not really sure, and I'm not you know trained. I don't have the trained all twenty two eye that my co host or my host here has, but um, but you know, you see. Right, as the ball's coming down, it's like maybe it shifted a little bit, and then he tries to shift to get under it, and it seemed like he kind of lost his footing. But like you said, then it's just dive out of the way and let it go over your head, or it's, you know, he still had time to bail, and he just tried, I don't know what he was trying to do, catch it with his shoulder, and it Mm -hmm. just 
did not work. Um, you're not David Tyree, buddy. Like you're not making a helmet catch on a flipping punt. Like, so I don't know, but I, I feel bad for the kid. Cause you could see him coming off the field. They, they cut to him and it's like, you know, it's a, like I said, it's his third NFL game. Oh yeah. So it's, I, you know, you hope this doesn't define his career or anything, but um, well, and right now it's just not good and it's not helping the Bears win games at all. So no. And speaking, Sam, not to bring it all the way back to fields. It's this whole podcast isn't necessarily going to be all about fields, but I just have a feeling that we've got 11 days if I got that right, because they go from Thursday to to Monday against a Bill Belichick defense, which is a great step forward for in terms of defensive just difficulty but another young guy that we literally saw on the sidelines because they just could not stop panning to fields to talk about his yoga breathing in the middle of a rough game I do want to point out that like we've given fields his thorns so to speak like the opposite of roses that's where I'm going with that like the offensive line played really badly and the receivers continue to show that they aren't super good I want to make it so clear that it's not as if Fields is doing nothing right. You know what I mean? Like, Fields, in many cases, is being put in an incredibly tough situation to succeed. And then, when he plays the game his way, he'll crack off a huge 35-yard run. He'll make a third down throw into the end zone that hits Dante Pettis in the hands, despite him getting interfered with. And honestly, it's super impressive. Like, the physical talent is absolutely there. There's no question that Fields can do it and there's no better example of or than the play that they caught the Washington Commanders defense on where Fields then placed a just about perfect ball 40 yards downfield in the end zone for a touchdown to Dante Pettis like there there's there are some sweet moments with Fields I don't want to pretend like somehow this offense is all Fields' fault. The complication, Sam, that I feel like we're looking at right now is that it feels like, I said this in post game, I'll say it again. This feels like we're watching a fighter that is a great brawler, can land some nasty haymakers, uppercuts, hooks, like hitting some huge punches. But as far as the technical fighting goes, he's struggling to land his jabs, the easy stuff. Fields, in a sentence, is making the easy things look incredibly hard in the NFL, and he's making the incredibly hard things look extremely easy. Now, there may be part of that that is 100% on Luke Getze. I mean, one of my favorite accounts on Twitter, uh, it's Honest NFL. He mostly tweets about the Eagles, but he tweets about all kinds of analysis. He was irate, incensed, Sam, at the idea of, of what Luke Getze was doing. He said that he normally doesn't get the chance to watch Bears games, but watching this game, he thought, in his own words, that Luke Getze looked like the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. And that, like, he was shooting shots. In his words, Justin Fields has superpowers, and it's like taking a water gun into war when you left your machine gun at home. So, I, for anybody out there that thinks this isn't Fields' fault, this is entirely Getz's fault. He's being coached horribly. No, you're not the only one. Like, Nate Tice loves Justin Fields. J.T. O'Sullivan generally loves Justin Fields. It's not like I don't love Justin Fields myself. I just can't look at a result like this and end up happy about it because either he's being coached poorly to not throw some of these Sunday open throws or he's not catching the coaching 
And either way, it's disappointing. But I mean, I I want to point out that sometimes, Sam, it can sound a lot like I want Andy Dalton at quarterback instead of somebody as talented as Justin Fields. And I want to just point out that I'm conflicted, too, because there are plenty of times I'm sure you feel the same way where on third and two, that slot fade that we already talked about. Just just take the crosser over the middle, man. Like right. you, if it's a man situation, you're going to get a man pick. Like you can make that throw the throw in the end zone that got picked off. Just, just put it over the offense, like put it over, like get it over the defensive line for crying out loud. Like fields has crazy talent. It feels like the mistakes he's making should be easy. Right. Mm. And something's wrong. It can't, yeah all be Fields' fault. We have to lay some of the blame at Fields. Braxton Jones looked awful tonight. Fifth-round pick or not, he was struggling, but it's it's a mess out there. I don't know. Sam, where, where are you? Not you interpreting Ryan Poles, not you interpreting, like, the Bears fandom, but, like, Sam Householder, what are you feeling? about quarterback, about this team going forward. This obviously isn't a team built for today or tomorrow. Uh, but where are you feeling on the like confidence scale? I, I really don't have much confidence anymore. I mean, honestly, uh, the schedule looks a, it gets a lot more daunting very quickly here, and uh, it looks it already looks a lot harder than it seemed it was going to be in August. And uh, honestly, I really kind of thought like tonight was a have to have game to feel anything going forward with the tough stretch they have coming up. And so now you really question, well, wh- when's the next winnable game? And it's certainly not the Patriots. And, um, you know, I don't have the schedule in front of me even, but it's just one of those things where I, I don't know what there is to get positive about, um, the the quarterback situation isn't getting any better um yeah so the next few games at new england at dallas host the dolphins and if they have like tua and um tyreek back and everything by then it's like that what's that and then you get the lions okay maybe and then you're at the falcons and at the jets so like there's a little relief coming but that's three arguably four with what we've seen in the Lions offense, really tough games coming up. And so I don't know what there is to be excited about. I think that, you know, preseason, it, everybody was like, oh, we all talked a big game, but we always do. Uh, you know, oh, the wins don't matter. The wins don't matter. It's just about seeing Justin Fields develop. Well, now we're not seeing Justin Fields develop and they're losing. So what, like, what is there then, you know? It, and these flashes of brilliance, this, these, so you're saying there's a chance, uh, endings to these games, like it's fine in the moment, but it still leaves you feeling pretty empty afterwards. Um, so, you know, I, I like the flashes. I, uh, I'm going to keep looking for the positives and the flashes and keep hoping that against hope, it's starting to feel like that, that fields can develop, but he's, he does truly have a terrible supporting cast. I, I think that all that, all that that we heard from the national media in August and everybody in Chicago was like, well, I don't know. We're not that bad, but, and everybody's saying this is a historically bad team and historically bad offense. And it's like, well, they, 
I think that's bearing out that they were closer to right than we were, that this was a bunch of, you know, overachievers or, you know, cast-offs or whatever. They were cast-offs for a reason. And this offensive line is beyond horrible. And, you know, they had some injuries tonight and had to bring in, like, Michael Schofield, who they had, like, waved and was on the practice squad at one point. And, you know, you still have a very bad starting center. And... And then your rookie fifth round pick who you trot out at left tackle, the most important position on the offensive line. So, I mean, he had his worst game. So yeah, I, I mean, give me something to be excited about. I don't see it. You know, I, I like watching David Montgomery and, and Khalil Herbert, you know, carry six dudes for first downs in Montgomery's case or in Herbert's case, you know, make a couple cuts and, and run for, you know, what was that like 56 yards or whatever? Like that was pretty sweet, but yeah, just like I'm going to get five plays a game and the rest of it is just going to be pain. It, there's not a lot to be happy about right now. And there's not a lot to look forward to. And honestly, the funny part about it, Sam, is that I think last week was the idea. Okay, so look, I need to just, I say this almost every podcast. I need to say it again. I am not a super nerd that thinks you should always be tanking. But when you change coaches and you put $63 million on of credit card debt on this year's cap and you trade every fundamentally decent player on the roster or let them go and instead replace them with youth, yeah, it's the right year to lose, right? It's the one year that you could suck it up and say, you know what? Losses do ultimately help us. They get us closer to one of those the guy guys, no matter what position it is. Jamar Chase was not a or was not a player that the Bengals got because they went eight and nine. They got or they had their quarterback get hurt. It was awful. They got Jamar Chase. Their hurt quarterback came back. They went to a Super Bowl. The math isn't that hard on some of these things. You get a top yeah. ten player, they change your team in many cases. Yeah. Rams got a top ten player named Aaron Donald. One player, one player before the Bears, and suffice to say, he changed their team. They don't always change teams, but they can change teams, and I will take it every time. And the Vikings game last week was the perfect loss. Like, no, absolutely. Like, if if the Bears had lost that way tonight, I think that this is an entirely different podcast and conversation. Of course, you know. Yeah, I didn't mean to stop your rant, but I, but for real, you know, if 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 Fields comes out and completes seventy percent of his passes for two hundred and fifty yards, has two touchdowns, and 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 then say still has one interception, but whatever, and then you're kind of looking at it and going, eh, you know, okay, they lost, but th- this is what we wanted, you know, yep. see more development. It's not the case. No, the big problem, like you're saying, wins and losses are irrelevant. So why are we mad? Is it because we lost? No, it's because we didn't see the development that we wanted to see. Now, some development that we did need or that we did get to see, Kyler Gordon is finding it. He, in my opinion, so I saw this on the Vikings tape, and I, if I had had more time, if we didn't have a Thursday game, I was going to put more stuff on, t- like more stuff about this on Twitter. But Kyler Gordon is an insane athlete. Kyler Gordon looks like a user-controlled creative player in Madden that is faster than everybody, but also like a user-controlled creative player, he barely knows how to play his position. But man, oh man, 
every time he shows any semblance of the right idea of where a player's go- or like where the play is going, boom, like boom, it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. he looks fast. He looks mm-hmm. quick. He looks like everything that you would hope that he will be. Um, yeah. And and I think that's exciting. The only problem, like you're saying, is that when you look downhill at what's going on in the rest of the schedule, like the Bears, the Bears' schedule does not get easier. This was a great day for a big offensive showing because they get a Belichick defense next week, who is historically good at just stymieing uh, rookie quarterbacks. After that, they get the Cowboys, who the Cowboys. I don't want any part of Micah Parsons on Braxton exactly. Jones. Exactly. I, I forfeit the game. I don't even know that I want to watch it. Like, I had to go through exactly what you already talked about, Sam, because I'm being a bit redundant just because I wanted to say that if you had Micah Parsons go up against the entire offensive line by himself, how many snaps do you think the whole five offensive line wins against him? Like, he's playing that dude good. And so yeah. it the road gets tougher, where when we start saying to ourselves, Okay, okay, we gotta we gotta wait three weeks, but but then we get the Lions, and then if he doesn't play well against the Lions, like what what do we do? And right. and that's what gets so complicated about this, right? And it's yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see where this goes. Let's be blunt. No, no matter how frustrated anybody is, Fields mm-hmm. isn't getting benched. Like mm-hmm. we've got no, twelve more that's games, and Sam, all it takes. Is Fields having a miraculously good game against Bill Belichick's Patriots to flip a lot of people's opinions? No, absolutely. Um, a po- I, yeah, I mean it could happen, but you know, I mean, I I don't know. It, yeah, it doesn't feel like that. That's the likely outcome, and it is what it is. It, you know, the, you can't change the schedule, but yeah. It, thinking about this oncoming slate it's just it's disgusting and you know i maybe maybe after that cowboys game i just i just flipped over and looked at the calendar I, i'll come on and we can just talk about the mexican grand prix because that's the same day and we'll right. just talk formula one instead of bears football because you know it's another sport we like and it's not this uh you know i don't want to I, I want no part of micah parsons against this bears offensive line right and and so yeah i to bring it back to tonight though like this was a game you felt like you know they had to win to at least you know sort of pad the win column but also then you can kind of feel good and warm and fuzzy about the steps that we thought we saw against minnesota and now it's back to what's coming and that's when it gets scary because now it's like, well, now we're not seeing development. We're not really seeing steps forward. They can't be bad teams. What are they going to do against mediocre to good and great teams? Not a lot, I would think. Yep. And it's seriously the hardest part about just deciphering everything is that it's not – this is the weird kind of game where we don't get much to say about the defense because why does it matter? Like, I, I would love, I would love to say it does, right? I would love to talk about the fact that I think Nick Morrow is a surprisingly solid signing, about the fact that Eddie Jackson is playing 
unreal football about the fact that the cover two defense is actually kind of coming together. And if Alan Williams comes out of the ultra conservative turtle shell that he's spent his whole career in and gets a little aggressive here and there, this defense gets surprisingly good, surprisingly quick. I, I don't get to talk about somebody who should be like comeback player of the year nomination. That's a bit tongue in cheek, but Kendall Vildor has been unbelievable, Sam. No, like, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you might've found this at least a solid starter. I mean, he's, I mean, he's playing above average right now, but even if he regresses a little bit to average, I think we would all take it from where he was a year or two ago. Sure, 100%. And we could talk about any of this if the the schedule didn't look exactly like it does, if the story of the season wasn't about the young quarterback and the hardest part about all of it. Would the offensive line help? Of course it would. Like, they're, they are playing terribly. Would, mm-hmm. would better receivers help? Of course they would. They aren't playing well either. Like when the receivers get chances to catch balls, they're making huge mistakes. And yet it feels like the quarterback position isn't quite get, I don't know. It's so bizarre, right? Because this is like, um, I'm, I'm Sam, if you can think of a decent metaphor for this, I'm trying to figure it out. It feels as if a lot of fields success is coming where generally speaking, nobody expects quarterbacks to succeed. Like the 35 yard run, a great example. I'm not anticipating that. I'm not drafting a quarterback expecting them to do that. A lot of the things that fields is doing incredibly well are straight up. Wow. Plays. And they yeah. are phenomenal. And yeah. I don't know that I have a metaphor for it, but it's kind of like I just mentioned you know, when we were talking pre-show is like it it's when his back is against the wall. You, you know, you call it hero ball. Like when that is when it feels like we get his best ball. But unfortunately, it's in the last two minutes when they're down a touchdown or uh, tonight it was five points or it's on Sunday when they're down 21 to three. And then suddenly it's like, oh, then he's like able to like kind of rise up to the moment. And so he has that big game ability that that gamer mentality. But where is it the rest of the time? And and the worst part is, is that we've OK, so we talked a little bit about or I was going on a rant about Aaron Rodgers pre-show, but I will bring up the comparison, not because everybody should be Aaron Rodgers. That's just not the point. But for the for those huge plays for the 40 yard bombs to Dante Pettis for the 35 yard touchdowns for the for the 52 yard almost touchdown run against the Vikings to really stick you have to throw the ball into the flat on time you have to hit the back of your drop and rifle the ball into an 8 yard slant you have to do a lot of the things that he did during do against the Vikings to say that he can't do it is to lie to say mm-hmm. that he always does it is to also lie because mm-hmm. Braxton Jones, he hit that 40-yard bomb against Dante Pettis with Jones in his lap. That was such a tough throw, Sam. Like, mm-hmm. in the world of is what is what he has shown us that he can do harder than the stuff I'm asking him? I would have told you yes two years ago, and here we are. Like, throwing some of these over-the-middle dig routes that are, I I wouldn't call them wide open. Equinamia St. Brown is getting covered about a second and a half after he breaks, which is pretty quick in the world of the NFL. But if Fields pumped the ball to him on time, you'd hit a few more 9 to 12-yard passes that would continue to extend drives. And again, that would change the way the defense is playing you to open up more. It's part of where 
Lamar Jackson has really excelled as a passer or Kyler Murray has really excelled as a passer because they hit the league and they ran as much as they could to try to open seams. And when they got those seams open, they started to hit passes within those to create a feedback loop where when you play Lamar as a passer, he beats you with his legs. When you play Lamar as a runner, he beats you with his arm. And right now, Fields needs to be a superhero to make a play. And the, it feels as if he's not getting any of his success within the offense. And whenever you say that, the offensive coordinator is just as equal, like just as much to blame, in my opinion, as the quarterback is himself. But it does cast a little bit of doubt on everybody. And we knew the Bears weren't going to be good. They came into this week 30 or 27th in points per game. So it's not mm-hmm. like they were doing really horribly but there comes a point where we're gonna have to see we're just gonna have to see what happens we can't say anything super declarative but sam i'm bummed because no yeah (laughs) yeah i am too i honestly like my my biggest hope at the beginning of the season was that they would start slow they're starting a bunch of rookies and and um you know young players in new schemes and i thought okay they're gonna take their lumps through the first three four games but then they should start to find their footing hopefully with a little bit of experience under their belt and slowly get better as the season goes on that was what i thought but and it's like i kind of thought that that was the route we were going after the giants and the and the vikings but then this week it's like no this is just the same they just happened to play worse defense on this past sunday or something you know like it it's a weird thing yep and it doesn't help anything that when you talk about worse defenses it's like oh look at that i mean sam i'm gonna say something that is about to be a real kick in the chest probably (laughs) so Mm -hmm. It, do you remember the moments you were most hopeful about Mitch? You probably do. And I don't have quite have time because it's a podcast to let you think about it. And if mm-hmm. you categor- if you categorize them from 2017 to 2020, it was when the Detroit Lions visited the Bears in Soldier Field. Mitch would go off. It's not that he didn't go off in Detroit, but he was he was here and there, right? He mm-hmm. when the Lions visited the Bears, he would go crazy. And Fields had his best game last week against a Vikings defense that's bottom 30, or like that's bottom of the league in rushing the passer, that's bottom of the league in covering the pass. And I, I don't want to sit here and have to search for correlation as somebody who's trying his best to be as objective as possible. As Fields heads into playing better defenses, I'm definitely looking back and saying the Texans are not a good defense. I understand they tore Trevor Lawrence apart, but Fields had a horrible day against them. The 49, or let's not use the 49ers, the Packers are very good defense. Fields had a very bad day against them. The Vikings are not a good defense. Fields had a pretty good defense day against them. The Giants are a meh defense, and Fields had a, a medium to good. Defense or day against them, he goes up against a bunch of defenses from here on out that is like that are going to test him really, really hard. And Mm -hmm. I hope that he's up for the challenge, but it could be tough football to watch. 
just as a Bears fan who doesn't like it when the team I th- I think you probably feel this way. It, I don't like it. It's not as simple as I don't like it when the Bears lose. I don't like it when the Bears don't play up to the team that I think they are, right? Mm. And I think mm. what I'm most disappointed about is that the offense deeply disappointed me on all levels. I knew they'd struggle against the pass rush, and yet Fields didn't have his lowest time to throw game of the season, which I think he should have because these corners were leaving everything underneath open. And yeah. it's it's not... The fields didn't make some sweet throws. If anything, I could make the argument, Sam, it's the plays fields didn't make, the boring, dull stuff. I mean, if you went back and you watched a highlight reel of some of Tom Brady's most important plays, you might actually walk away from it, Sam, saying, people think this guy's the greatest of all time, and yet he keeps winning games because he does the boring stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, but to your point, you know, if you took the, the score and clock off of the, the screen and just watched Tom Brady with no like crowd noise or anything, you, and so you had no context of what was going on in the game at the moment. Yeah. A lot of his biggest plays are pretty boring because yeah, he takes the easy stuff. He, he, he could, he's one of the best ever at just moving the chains and moving methodically down the field. And, um, yeah, so you know, in in some ways, I could almost go for a game from Fields where the stat line isn't crazy, but he just strings together a bunch of first downs and long drives without you know huge shot plays and just takes the layups like we keep talking about. So that's where we're at. <laughs> yep, and I'll be honest, I want to see Fields stop taking hits if because you mentioned moving the chains. The Bears moved the chains. A ton. And throughout this season, Fields has converted a ton of plays with his feet to gain key first downs. I don't want to take that away from him. I worry about how that scales going forward, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Do you have any final thoughts on the game before we close the book on the podcast? No. Uh, like I said, it was just a very disappointing game. Um, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate the Bears couldn't steal a win, and instead they snatched uh snatched defeat from the jaws of victory it, it seems like and we're just talking about another game of literal inches of um just coming up short once again yep and i think the worst part for me sam it's not to directly disagree with you but you mentioned stealing a win I feel like the Bears were easily the better team this evening. I think their defense looked better. I think their offense looked better. I thought David Montgomery was running all over them. I thought that the response from Khalil Herbert shucking a tackle and bolting 64 beautiful yards down the field was phenomenal to come back from uh, from a huge pick at the goal line. And yet, somehow, the Bears got to the goal line three separate times and came away with a fat zero points. They ended up needing every point because they only lost by five in a 12 to seven game. And so I, I am frustrated. I am curious. Sure. To see the all 22, but I don't think it's going to show anything that we don't already know. And it is going to cast a lot of doubt on everything from the offensive line to the quarterback, to the receivers. Sure. And just make us wonder what is this team going to look like in 2023? Because if anything, if there's anything positive to say, it is that, wow, the whole, like everything's open. I don't know if there's an option that isn't on the table right now for Ryan Poles, 
but this is the team that in very or in plenty of ways he built and I, I don't know if I like it as it's currently constructed but hey Sam thanks so much for coming on what can yeah. folks be watching WCG for you uh well I'll I'll have my game review stock up stock down looking at three players who did well and three who didn't and uh obviously i do the game previews and my weekly betting column and i'll be on the next sunday live stream i don't know if we're going to do it this sunday with um no game to talk about well i guess we could talk about thursday but you know what i mean no game to preview so um but steve and i got to decide on that but that's where people can find me Thanks so much for coming on, Sam. It's a dreary evening, but we've got plenty more going on this season, so feel free to stick with us on Second City Gridiron, on Windy City Gridiron, and on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network for more Bears analysis as we tromp through the rest of the season. Hey, nothing's over. As grim as a day like today might be for different reasons, whether you're mad at the receivers, whether you're mad at Luke Getze, whether you're mad at Matt Eberflus, whether you're mad at uh, Justin Fields, whoever it may be, certainly Valus Jones might make that category if I didn't mention him already. We will be here to break it down. So thank you so much for listening and bear down. Thanks so much for bearing with me. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.